Okay, so here we are at the last phase of the puja. We're going to be exploring the transference of merit verses. Yeah? And uh, what I'd like to suggest we do before we go any further is that we, we recite the verses together so that we can have some memory of what I'm going to be talking about. Yeah, shall we do that in call and response? Yeah? Okay. So, the transference of merit and self-surrender. May the merit gained in my acting thus go to the alleviation of the suffering of all beings. My personality throughout my existences. My possessions. And my merit in all three ways. I give up without regard to myself. For the benefit of all beings. Just as the earth and other elements are serviceable in many ways to the infinite number of beings inhabiting limitless space, so may I become that which maintains all beings. Situated throughout, space, situated throughout space, so long as all have not attained, so long as all have not attained to peace. So Ultimately, to relieve suffering in the world. So you've got here tonight, having been through a journey, through the seven phases of the sevenfold puja. Worship, salutation, going for refuge, confession, rejoicing in merit, entreaty and supplication, and now transference of merit. I like to think of the puja as it being rather like a journey to climb a mountain. Each verse, <coughs> excuse me, and now you've arrived at the top of the mountain. Yeah. So setting off the worship, you see the mountain ahead of you and you think, my goodness, what a fantastic mountain that is. I must climb it. It's really beautiful, set in amazing scenery, perhaps the sun shining behind it with snow on the top. And you carry on rejoicing in it, you salute it, yeah, and you determine to set off and climb that mountain. So, going for refuge, you're going to climb that mountain, yeah, and you need to call on everything you can to help you to do that. You've got to get your gear, haven't you? Yeah, your boots, your salopettes, your rucksack, you've got to go for it, and you've got to get as much of yourself behind it as you can to go. Okay, you're on your way. Halfway up the mountain, it, actually, it's really hurting now. You're worn out. Perhaps your blood sugar's a bit low, yeah? And uh, you think, actually, I'm going to have to get rid of some of this stuff in my bag. 
You have to let go. One good idea is to sit down and eat your sandwiches, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So you eat your sandwiches, you fuel yourself, and you've le- lessened the load. So you've let go, which is the confessional verses. Then you get a real spurt of energy, yeah, as a result. So you can rejoice and you can think, I'm so glad I've been going to the gym all these months, <laughs> yeah, because now I can really go for it, yeah. So you rejoice and you rejoice in the person who inspired you, perhaps a friend to climb this mountain. But then it gets tough again. You can see the final peak, but you're having to scramble and climb over rocks. You have to ask for some inspiration. So you entreat for some inspiration. Perhaps you call on a symbol that really does it for you. I might actually call on Tara at this point and ask her to give me a hand. And then finally, you get to the top. Wow, you've got the view all around you. Yeah, you can see the sea, sun sparkling on it, distant hills and forests. Yeah, and you can feel really pleased with yourself. Yeah, you can also transfer that merit by showing people your photos, perhaps inspiring them to climb the mountain yeah you can also you go back home feeling inspired and fitter and and really ready to engage with the rest of the week you're transferring your merits to help other people so that's just a little recap so here we are you're on the journey of the puja And just to remind us that the puja is um, a very traditional practice that is said to bring about the arising of the bodhicitta or the will to enlightenment. It's a traditional practice that develops faith in the three jewels. It helps us to develop devotion. And I like to think of devotion as being when metar meets our ideals. And it's a practice that expands our positive emotion. And I was thinking about this yesterday. It's a practice that gives you the emotional fuel, the inner fuel, to live out the bodhisattva ideal. It's not an easy ideal. You know, if you're deciding you want to save all beings, you need all the help you can get, including lots of positive emotion. Uh, Bhante uh, reminds us in his book on ritual and devotion that there are three aims, that there's three possible aims for life, for the spiritual life. One of them is to aim to uh, have well-being in this life, have a good life now. Okay, it's quite a big one in itself. The second one is to aim for a good and happy rebirth in some future existence. And the third one is to aim for the gaining of enlightenment for the benefit of all beings. And that's what we're talking about here. That's that's the context within which we're transferring our merits. This is the Bodhisattva ideal. Okay, so in a nutshell, transferring of merits means, uh, is all about benefiting others, being of service and practicing altruistic activity. And in our puja, the transference of merit verses are based on chapter 3 of the Bodhicharya Vatara, 
which I'm sure you've heard a lot about over this last few weeks, <clears throat> which were written by um, a 12th century monk. So I'd like to propose that um, we can approach the transference of merit verses in two ways. You can think of this evening as being about the transferring of the merits of the puja, yeah? Or you can think about it in terms of transferring the merit of the whole of your Dharma practice or, or, the, posit- or the positive aspects of your life. It's up to you. And we'll come back to that. And I'm going to be um, approaching this exploration of the transference of merit verses um, through two main themes, which are not completely separate. But, you know, when you give a talk, you have to find a way of sort of making it easy to talk about bits of it or aspects of it. So the first is we're going to look at transferring merit. What is that? And secondly... We're going to look at being of service to all beings. And you could think of the transferring of merit as being an inner practice. It's almost like setting your intention yeah, internally. What am I about here? Yeah. What am I about? Why am I doing this? And then secondly, the, um, the being of service, you, one could think of as being an outer expression of that inner intention. Okay, so let's have a look, first of all, at transferring merit. So what is merit? Let's find out what you think it is. I love having a flip chart and a pen. It gives me a sense of security. (laughs) So what is it then? What is merit? What do you think it is? Sorry? A red star on your homework. A red star on your homework, yeah. Okay. What else is it? When you hear that word, what is it? Positive mental state. Yeah. Anything else? Worthiness. Worthiness. Sorry? Good karma. Okay. Achievement. Achievement. Inner reward. Yeah. What might that reward be? Like, like... So it might be achievement. Yeah. You've done something that you feel really pleased with. You're really... Pleased with. Yeah. Okay. Social justice. Okay. Artistic interpretation, okay. Hmm? Benefit. Benefit. Yes. 
virtue. Yeah. Okay, so merit or merit can be a red star on your homework, positive mental states, a sense of worthiness or good karma, achievement or a, a feeling of an inner reward, yeah? Something you're proud of or pleased with. Social justice, artistic interpretation, benefit and virtue. And what, what, um, what we're saying when we recite the verses is we're giving it all up. Yeah, we're giving it all up. We're giving up or we're letting go of benefit, the fruits of practice, our possessions, our goodness any reputation, good reputation, personality. So other translations say body, yeah, but in our translation it says personality. Yeah. And there are stories of the Buddha uh, in the tales of the, the Jataka tales. The Buddha is an, an animal and he, make, he gives his body up uh, for other animals to eat so that it will save them. Now, I'm not sure that it's suggesting that we need to be putting ourselves out there and say, eat me. Um, but I, it, it is interesting how there is nothing left in these verses. We're saying we're going to give up everything, even our bodies. Yeah. The spiritual life is the life of letting go. And um, so the Bodhisattva doesn't practice the puja. Um, as a way of collect and, and collects lots of merit on the way so that he can get to nirvana ahead of everybody else. It's not like a monopoly board. Yeah? Banti says, in, again in this book here, that if a sense of ego is the principal obstacle standing between you and enlightenment, how could you ever get to enlightenment with your ego simply accumulating good actions? Yeah? which it regards as its own. So we're giving up. We're giving up everything we have. And if you think it's hard to give up a sense of, um, uh, sense of giving uh, in a reward, if, if it's hard enough to give up possessions, how hard is it to give up possessions? Yeah. I know it's hard for me to give up possessions, particularly favourite ones. Yeah. I'll be very happy to give up things I'm not really bothered about, yeah? I'll share my favourite bread with you, yeah? And I'll, I'll share, what will I share? Some pen and paper with you. But I will know, I probably won't share my favourite dress with you. Yeah, it's just interesting to note, I think, how far we will go in terms of letting go of our, our, our belongings because they make us feel who we are. They give us a sense of who we are. But what's very important here is that we're not giving all this up um, out of martyrdom or in order to be accepted by the Sangha and to be a good Buddhist. Yeah? We're not giving up our personality, our possessions and our merit um, because it's bad to have these things. Yeah? We're giving them up because we want to be of benefit to other beings, but mainly we're giving them up because we feel completely full. 
So the giving, the generosity, the giving away is on a basis of fullness or inner richness. So at this point, I, I sort of, uh, I, uh, I was, when I was writing this talk, I was having a lot of dreams. And on this particular evening, I had a dream about being a gardener. And I was um, composting my vegetable patch with vegetable peelings. And Phil's just looking at me because she does that in our community. And um, it was fabulous. The, 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 it was very colourful. Um, and I'd, what I'd like you to do is just imagine, if you can, that you have created a garden. A very beautiful, rich and colourful garden. You've dedicated a lot of time and energy to this garden. You've read all the books. You've bought all the best seeds. And uh, you've been working on it for months. And it's now the autumn, late summer, early autumn. And your, your garden is abundant. It's full of flowers and vegetables and fruits, raspberries hanging off the canes, strawberries Apples are forming in the trees and you've even got bushes of nuts. So walnuts are all forming. And you've got salad, rows and rows of fresh salad. And you look out across the garden and you're delighted. Yeah. So what do you do with it all? Do you freeze it all, you know, get it all down, put it all in little pots and put it in the freezer? String up your onions and enter your prize vegetable for a prize at the allotment. Yeah, you might do that. But I'm just wondering what gives one the most joy here. Because I think that uh, my sense is that sharing that with your friends is a deep, gives one a deep sense of joy. You share the merits of your garden. Yeah. I'm just remembering some potatoes we had at the community. So we had enough potatoes for two meals for seven of us that Phil had grown. There was so much delight in eating these potatoes. And, uh, yeah, the sharing, I, I think that's um, a very, very lovely symbol for transferring merits. In a way, we're our garden and we've got to nourish up. We've got to feed ourselves and uh, look after ourselves with a lot of time and energy and effort and uh, develop and we're transferring our merits. We're giving all this up to be of benefit to others, to alleviate suffering. Who are we going to give it up to? Everybody. Every single person that there is. Okay? Every being that there is is included. Not just our mates or our families. Not just our partners. Not just those we like. Yeah? Banti likens the transference of merit to a metabhavana. I'm sure you all know that practice. So when we recite these verses, it's an opportunity to look out over the world, look out over the world and just notice who we want to benefit. Who are we wanting to move towards? Is there anyone we detest? Is there anyone we fear? Um, is there anybody we are actually being quite reserved around transferring our merits to? Yeah, they can have a bit, but, you know. Yeah. Is there anyone we want to move away from or dismiss? And when we think about this, just as in the Metabhavana, 
we're including all beings as a way of challenging our usual tendency to choose who we like or dislike. Yeah? It includes all our good friends, all those millions and millions of neutral people. You know, in the Metabhavana, the third stage, there's more neutral people than anybody else, certainly for me. Yeah. All those people whom we have a difficulty, whether they're close to us and we have a difficulty or they're far away and it's an imagined difficulty, and of course ourselves. We are, after all, a being. And all beings are included. So can we stretch ourselves just a little and include more people? And what would that look like? For me, uh, the people who I don't really want to include uh, are people who make a lot of noise and are drunk on a Friday night. I don't like that. Actually, you know, there for the grace of whoever go I. I'm only not there on a Friday night because of different conditions. But old habits die hard. Yeah. So as in the Metabhavana, we can wish all beings well, excluding no one, but we have to take one step at a time. Yeah. You've got to start where you're at. All right. So we're giving up everything, our possessions, our personality and our merit. And, it's, and so it's pretty strong, this. It's relentless, isn't it? There's nowhere to move. There isn't one little thing like one little possession that we're going to hide under our coat. Uh, Geshe Kelsang, in his book, um, Joyful to Behold, I think it is, says the reason that um, Shantideva and the puja are so relentless is because we are, have such a strong tendency to be self-centred and to put ourselves at the centre of our world, forgetting that everybody else thinks they're at the centre of their world, of the world. And so by reciting that we're going to give away absolutely everything, we're encouraging ourselves to imaginatively to go beyond our comfort zone. Yeah. So as I said before... Um, uh, I'd be very happy to share. Maybe I would share my socks, actually, with you, but I, 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 don't, I don't know if I would share my glasses. Yeah, And I've got more than one pair. So, But we have to start with where we're at, OK? Um, and the other thing is that we aren't meant to give it all up until it hurts. So um, Probably up until about 10 years ago, I really did believe that unless it hurt, it wasn't, I wasn't giving it away enough. Yeah? It was meant to be really painful. And if it wasn't painful, it wasn't generosity and it wasn't giving up. But actually, what we're trying to do is give up until we swoon with joy. Yeah? Which is banty. We're giving up until we swoon with joy. And what we then have to remember as we move into the second part of the talk is that we're giving up our attainment and our tendency to cling to whatever we think of or feel of as mine in order to be of service to other beings. It's an act of generosity to relieve suffering. So what suffering might that be? Let's just bring to mind all that suffering that we might be able to relieve. I'm sure we won't have any trouble coming up with a list. 
So, what comes to mind for you? Sadness. Sadness. Isolation. Isolation, yeah. Poverty. Imprisonment. Sorry? Imprisonment. Imprisonment. Hmm? Maybe I can just add hatred as well. Somebody else said something over here. Sickness. Yeah. So mental health problems, is that Ariamati? Yeah. Shall we add greed then? Loss, did you say? Well, I'll put lust anyway, all right? <laughs> loss, yeah? Separation. Addiction, yes. Conflict. That's a lot of that, isn't there? So it's endless, isn't it? It's endless. Now we're wanting to be of service to all beings. The Bodhisattva wants from the bottom of their heart to relieve suffering. It's what their life is about, all suffering. So when you think about being of service and being helpful to all beings, how can we be helpful? What are the ways of being helpful? Well, I've, uh, I've been reading around quite a bit around uh, transferring of merit and the Bodhicharya Vitara, and uh, I came across some, a lovely way of describing the ways that you can help from a book by Pema Chodron that's called No Time to Lose. So she says that you can help, you can help people in three ways. You can, first of all, you can help people by being a king or a queen. Yeah. So what this means is that you have to get your own kingdom in order first. Yeah. So this means working on ourselves. So in order to truly help people, we've got to sort ourselves out. Yeah. And if we meditate, if we practice puja, if we practice ethics, we will become kinder and clearer and we'll have more positive emotion 
we'll have more love to give and we'll have more clarity about how to help. Yeah? We, we know um, that we've got to change ourselves first of all. Yeah? And we've got to keep doing that. Then, secondly, we can help people by being a ferry person, a ferryman or a ferry woman. Um, we find ourselves in the same boat as, other be- as all beings. We're in it together, the boat of life. Yeah? And we're all crossing the water of life together. And we're in the boat and all the beings in the boat are just like us. Yeah? Every being experiences themselves as being at the centre of the world. They all want to be happy. They all want to be free of suffering and fear. They all want to be, we all want to be free of pain. And we can use reflections like this and practices like the Metta Bhavana to imaginatively connect with what life is like for other people. We can get in each other's shoes. I can't read my writing now. So if we have a toothache, yeah, or if we fall over and hurt ourselves, if we get a bout of uh, food poisoning, if we're grieving the loss of a loved one or the end of a relationship, or if we're in a car accident, we can use the experience as a basis for empathising with what life is like for other people. In order to do that, you need to have positive emotion. Yeah? We need to have enough inner positiveness and warmth for ourselves that we can face that. So, we get our own kingdom in order. We can imaginatively connect with everybody else who's in the boat and... We can also help people by being a shepherd. So just like the shepherd puts the welfare of his sheep before himself, we can go beyond ourselves to help other people. Sometimes when it doesn't suit us at all. Often when it doesn't suit us at all. So we can really go beyond ourselves and do practical things for one another. And I've just been really struck by the amount that happens in the women's community. You know, there's very often baskets of washing, waiting, <laughs> queuing up to go in. Well, you don't just do yours. You know, you do somebody else's as well. You even hang it up, yeah? When you first move there, you don't know where your washing is, yeah? Because <laughs> somebody will have dealt with it, but you're not really... I wasn't used to that, yeah? And we can do that in small ways. You know, we can give up our seat to somebody on the train. We can send someone a card, yeah, we can visit someone in hospital. We can smile at somebody. It might make their day. And we have to start with where we're at. And, of course, we don't stop doing the king and queen bit or the ferryman bit. We have to keep working at ourselves so that we can have the, have the tools and the positivity to go beyond. We start where we're at. Okay. So where am I now? Okay. So here we are in the transference of merit, aspiring to help all beings in any way at all that we can, in all possible ways. It's a big deal, isn't it? Yeah. 
And what, uh, what we recited at the beginning of the evening was that we, just as the earth and other elements are serviceable in many ways, so may I become. If you think of all the, everything around us is made of the elements and everybody stands on the earth and make uses of, makes use of the earth. We all grow, people grow crops, we build our houses, our roads, our bridges, they're all made out of earth. Yeah? Plants are made out of earth. Everybody breathes air. In fact, we breathe in air and then we breathe it out and it goes in somebody else. I don't know if you like that idea or not, but that is how it is. If you go for a walk outside, you breathe in and when you breathe out, it goes in a tree. Yeah? You don't know what flower the bit of air that you'd breathe in has just come out of. I think it's amazing. So everybody breathes air and everybody drinks water. And if you don't have air and water, you die. Yeah. And we're all warmed and energised by fire, the sun ultimately. Yeah. And we're supported in space. All around us, the space. If we weren't in this room, uh, the, the space would be here. We don't take it away. So the Bodhisattva and we, when we recite the verses, aspires to be as these elements, to be helpful in many ways, in any way that's needed. And in the, the Bodhicharya Vatara that the Puja is based on, um, there are many, many examples of the ways in which one can help beings. For example, this is what these are some of them. I, I, want, I, I aspire to be medicine for the sick. May I be both the doctor and their nurse until sickness does not return. May I avert the pain of hunger and thirst with a shower of food and drink. May I be an inexhaustible treasure for impoverished beings. May I be a light or a bed for those in need of rest. May I be a servant for those in need of service, a protector, a spell, a healing, a herb, a caravan leader. So you can be anything. And what I realised as I was writing these down yesterday is that there are so many ways into helping people. You can take your pick. Yeah. And whatever way you can help will make a real difference. Yeah. And I think one of the tricks is to find the way of helping that uh, inspires you to want to do it more. Yeah. So, for example, for me, uh, if my way of helping was to sit in front of a computer and write software packages, I'd be, I couldn't do it. It wouldn't be helpful. So I want to help people on the basis of what inspires me. And I was also struck by how beautiful the images are of being an inexhaustible treasure or a healing herb. And maybe there's something about us all thinking about what are the images that do it for us. A caravan leader. It's very lovely. Yeah. So there are, there's many, many ways to be helpful. And uh, I used to be very inspired by an image of being a sort of healer who wore a big green floaty cloak and I wandered around forests and picked herbs to help people. I don't, that's not quite there for me anymore, but it probably became green Tara. 
And my motives uh, for helping have not always been pure, you know. Uh, it, within, the ele- within the wanting to help people, for me, there's definitely an element of wanting people to like me. Does it matter? If it helps somebody. And I'm not sure it's... Uh, well, Banty says we shouldn't wait until our motives are all pure. Yeah, the world would be pretty sad if we all waited until we were enlightened beings to help people. So what does all this mean to us right now? What's the relevance of transferring of merit to us here in the 21st century? I'd like us to sort of finish this part of the evening by thinking about that uh, through a couple of three questions. So the first question is, in what ways have you benefited from practising the Dharma? So practising meditation, ethics, study. What has changed in you as a result? In what ways have you changed or are you impacted upon by the puja? Another way of putting that is, what does a puja do for you? How have, in what ways have other people benefited from your benefits and change? Yeah? So you might need to use your imagination here. Yeah? Yeah? If, if, if you have changed and developed as a result of Dharma and the puja, in what ways do other people benefit? 